0: So today we're on the final Family Church value, final one of the 12, and that is that we are responsive people. We are responsive. It's on screen there. We are responsive. I shall find that funny. Okay. We are responsive. <laughs> so the kind of the strap line for this bit is we're constantly responsive and active. We're never apathetic and passive to God and his call. That we're constantly responsive, we 're constantly active we 're never apathetic, we 're never passive to God and His call upon our lives. Now you have a call upon your life. Does everyone know that this morning? Yeah. You have a call upon your life. you're born with a, you were born with a purpose, you were born with a destiny God created you for a reason, whatever the circumstances that led to you existing, whatever your parents' decisions or non-decisions, I guess sometimes happens, right? Whatever happened to you, whatever led to you existing, you have a purpose upon your life. So don't let everyone say that you have no purpose or, you are, or you're a mistake. Don't let anyone ever speak that over your life. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You, know, you, you were born with a purpose. You are born with a destiny. We, we, even in your, in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, David, King David writes about this, that we were knit together in our mother's womb. Even at that point, God already knew us and already birthed the destiny and purpose into us. So there's a call of God on all of our lives Ephesians 2, 9 and 10, we have got time to look at the scripture, but talks about the fact we're created by God and we're created for God. We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for him. We've been created by God and we are created for God. Amen? He's our creator, but there's a reason why God created. God didn't just create us for the sake of it. He created us to be his handiwork and to do good works for him. We know we're not saved by good works. And uh, verse 9 of Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 makes that clear. Yeah, it's grace that we've been saved. It's, not a, it's, it's a gift of God that no one can boast. Amen. So we're not saved by works, absolutely. But we are called to do works as believers. You know, the reality is we don't even belong to ourselves. Hopefully, hope this is not a shock to anyone this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, Paul writes this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. That's a, that's, a, that's a big statement that Paul was making there. That that we belong to God. We've been talking a lot this morning and focusing on God's God's victory and what He did through the cross and the victory he's won for us. You know, but God bought us, we've been bought at a massive price. Yeah, right. That we are now God's. We belong to Him. Yeah. You know, that means, and hopefully again this isn't a shock, that if you're a believer this morning, you've you've given willingly, you've given ownership of your life over to God. Yeah. That's the reality. That's what's happened, right? Everyone agree, yeah. right? We have given ownership of our lives over to God because he now owns us. We've been bought at a price. And therefore being responsive to God and all that he desires to do in us and, and through us should just, just be, a, just be a, you know, a spiritual reaction to that, a spiritual response to that. Being, being responsive is just a spiritual reaction to the fact that we're now gods, that we now belong to him. Amen? Now, the, Paul also talks about, to put it in a kind of a soldier context, he talks about, uh, about God being our commanding officer. We've we, we joined an army, we've joined the army of God, and our commanding officer has got things that he wants to command us to do, right? Romans 12, verse 1, Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, la- as a living sacrifice. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. So again, it's Paul's again making, making this point. That our lives should be a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him, this is what true and proper worship is: say, God, every day, to say, God, I, I'm living, I'm laying my life down, I'm laying down my own wants, I'm laying down my own desires, and God, I want to live for you. Amen. You know, in in the world that we live in right now, everyone talks about rights, don't they? Yeah, you know, and obviously, in some contexts, it does need to be talked about because sometimes people haven't had human rights that they should have had, and all that's all true. But there's a lot in our in our world where it's just talk about rights. It's like me, 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 my rights, my rights, my rights. You know, if you're a Christian this morning, you've given up your rights. Again, I'm sorry if these things are shocking you. But hopefully we should all know these things. But that's the reality, isn't it? We've given up our own rights for the purposes and call of God over our lives. That's part of the fact of understanding that we're owned by God. We've been brought out of one dominion. We've been brought out of the dominion of darkness. And we've been brought out into the kingdom of God. Amen? We're now part of a completely different kingdom. We've given up our rights to do whatever we want to do. You know, and I've said this from the front a number of times, and I'll say it it again, and I have to remind myself of this as well, this as much as anybody else. You know, God does not promise to bless whatever we do in life. That is is not a scriptural. You won't find a scripture that backs it up. God promises to bless when we're obedient, when we do what he's called us to do. We can't just live the way we want and then say, God, bless it. We've got free will, yes, that's true. But we can't just do whatever we want and expect God to bless it. He never, ever promises that. He promises to bless when we're obedient, when we live on scriptural principles, when we apply those things to our lives. Amen? Everyone agree, right? It's reality. So we've given up our rights. You know, that means making spiritual decisions. We spent a whole week talking about this a lot more um, when we did the week on We Are Spiritual, that we're spiritual people. About the difference between making carnal decisions, in other words, being me-focused, versus making spiritual decisions in life, being God-focused. Now, if you want to be a successful Christian, and I, I no doubt you do, you know, the key to that is making spiritual decisions. Being God-focused in your decisions. Not making emotional decisions. Not that we should shut down emotions. We still have emotions. God gave us emotions. Emotions aren't bad things. Jesus had emotions. Okay, Emotions aren't bad things. I'm not talking about shutting down emotionally here. But what I am saying is about what are we governed by? Are we governed by just what our soul wants to do, our mind, our will, and our, our will, and our emotions? Or are we governed by the Spirit of God that dwells within us? Amen? And if you want to be a successful Christian... And if, moving forward, I'd encourage you to be making spiritual decisions. I mean, get guidance on things. If you don't know what to do, I say get guidance on stuff. Come and speak to myself and Wendy about it. Make sure you're praying about it. Talk to people you trust about it. Amen? It's so been making godly decisions in every area of our life. Okay, let's move, move on. So, I wanna, so we're talking about we are responsive. I want to read a story from uh, Luke. This is from Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Jesus says this. Oh, Jesus didn't say this, but it's Luke writing it first. <laughs> now, uh, now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and, and Galilee. So again, you've got this. Remember, just like we talked about earlier with the Good Samaritan, been a lot of tension here. You know what some borders are like in our current world, aren't they? Sometimes there's long borders where well, there's two countries that just don't get on. There could be a whole lot of issues, sadly. And that was the nature between Samaria and, and, and Galilee. So Jesus was traveling along, along the border, It was kind of like no-go territory, a no-go zone, a demilitarized zone, as we might call it in a common context. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When the men saw him, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priest, and as they went, they were cleansed. That was because of a a kind of a, a... Guideline or rule in the Old Testament about if you've been cleansed of leprosy, because it was so infectious, you had to show yourself to a priest to show that you'd been healed, because otherwise they wouldn't let you back in the village. Otherwise, because it was it would spread so easily. Okay, so that's what Jesus. That's why Jesus said that. So when he saw the man, saw the men, he said, "Go, show yourselves to the priest, because he'd healed them." And as the, well well, hadn't healed them yet, but as on their way, they were completely healed and cleansed. So one of the, verse 15, one of the men, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. So that's significant. Remember the, like, the animosity between, his, between his, Jesus is on like, the border here, the demilitarized zone between Samaria and Galilee. And the man who comes back is a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were well, not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Who presumably were all Israelites, were all Jews. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to you to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well, so there's a really interesting story that happens here, isn't it? So Jesus heals these ten lepers, tells them to go to see the priests. They are obedient and go and see the priests, and on their way, they're healed. So they weren't healed straight away. They weren't healed initially, but as they went on their way, they were healed. And then only one comes back, and he was a Samaritan, or foreigner, as Jesus describes him. But it's interesting that only one came back and thanked Jesus. Isn't it? And you kind of see a huge difference in attitude here. What was, what was going on with the other nine? I don't know. But Jesus makes a big point of, 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 you know, of, of this, and obviously Luke thinks it's really significant to write it down in this account. That the ten were healed, but only one was responsive to Jesus. Only one kind of was were bothered, I suppose you could say, to come back and to thank Jesus for what he'd done. And even he was a, a Samaritan who, you know, Jesus had come first for the Jews. And then, you know, and then for the Gentiles, which means all non-Jews, right? That's the reality. Is the Jews should have known more than anyone who Jesus was. But there was this Samaritan guy who came back and thanked Jesus. Like, I need to thank him. He, he's totally transformed my life. He's totally changed my entire future. You know, if you had leprosy in those days, you just you basically had no life. You just had to hang out with other lepers for the rest of your life. That, that was it. You couldn't you couldn't work. You couldn't do do anything because it was so infectious. And you you know, and, and you were seen as spiritually unclean. On kind of on top of all that. So nine of the people were apathetic and passive. That's sad, isn't it? You know Their lives have been totally and radically transformed. And it is more than just a healing. Their lives have been totally changed. They're now going to be able to work. They're now going to be able to get married. They're now going to be to have a family. Or maybe they ha- already had a family but have been banished from them so their family didn't get leprosy. They've had to kind of just live separately outside, outside the town or outside the city where, where, they, where they were living the lives have been totally transformed, but nine were apathetic and passive in it all. May that never, ever be us. I mean, May we always have the attitude of the one. Oh, I'm going to thank, I need to thank Jesus here. Jesus has changed my life. What, what he has done for me. How can I not thank him? How can I not be grateful? How can I not be responsive to Jesus and what, what he has done for me? Amen. So some kind of questions there. What attitude do we have in those types of situations? Are we living, a heart of, living with a heart of thankfulness to God for all that he's done for us? He has radically transformed our lives. Amen? Give us every spiritual blessing in Christ, Paul says. Amen. Let's, let's continue. Let's continue looking at responses. Let's look at some more that Paul says. This is some of his words in Romans. So Romans 12 verse 11, Paul says this. Never be lacking in zeal... Zeal is a great Christian word. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So I'm going to kind of just break this down. As you know, the New Testament was written in Greek originally. Paul was writing to the Romans who would have spoken Latin, but I've talked about this before. I mean, loads of different languages went on. Somehow, in those days, they made everything work and function somehow, because lots of people were speaking lots of different languages. Anyway. So Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, but the common written language at the time was, was Greek, because of historical reasons. Anyway. So never be lacking in zeal. So look at the Greek word. The Greek word used for that is is spoudé. What a cool word. Spude. S P O U D E. So never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in spoudé. You can remember that, can't you? <laughs> sounds sounds a bit weird. Okay. What it means is it is with haste or earnestness or, or, or diligence. To give you know, all of yourself the most earnestly or, or, or to strive. So there's loads of different meanings it can have. This is why looking back at the Greek is often really helpful because English doesn't always do it justice and explain the full meaning. So it means with haste. So it's never be lacking with haste or with earnestness or with diligence for God. Amen? Never be lacking in striving for the, for the things of God. Never be lacking in giving all of, of our all for God. Amen. Because that's part of us serving the Lord. This is what it what it looks like. Never be lacking in zeal, amen. And then when Paul says, "But keep your spiritual fervor." Fervor is another interesting word. So the Greek there is zeo, spelled z e o. And there's another really interesting word. And that word literally means uh, to, to boil, as in to boil hot water, to boil with heat or be hot. It was used generally, um, generally of you know of boiling water, as opposed to anything else. So what Paul is saying here is don't be, don't be lacking in zeal, don't be lacking in, in earnestness for God, don't be lacking in diligence for God, but be boiling hot for God. That's basically what he's saying here, to breaking it down. But be boiling hot for God. You know, in, it's, in Revelation, it's talked about not being lukewarm, Isn't the dangers of being lukewarm for God. Let's be people who are boiling hot for Jesus. It's boiling hot under these lights every Sunday. But let's be people who are boiling hot for Jesus. Every week. Every day of our lives. Amen? Because when we're boiling hot for Jesus and, uh, you know, everything's kind of boiling over, we're just so full of the things of God. Everything's just bubbling over for God. Then we'll be full of zeal, then we'll be passionate about the things of God and living how it's called cool and it's purposes for our lives. Amen? May it never, ever be said about any of us that we're lukewarm people. Amen? Praise God. So I just want to just break this down just a little bit this morning. Is what is what is being boiling hot for Jesus, to keep using that term. What does that mean? The spiritual fervor, don't be lacking in zeal. What does being boiling hot for Jesus look like in our everyday lives? What does that actually look like? What it means is being passionate for the things of God. Being passionate about what God is passionate about. Amen? Being passionate for being passionate for others. Because God is passionate for others, being passionate for our communities, as we talked about last week. Being passionate, passionate in, in our praise. Amen? Being passionate in, in our giving, our financial giving. Giving in every sense of the word. Being being passionate for things that God is passionate about. Amen? Let's never be apathetic or, or, or passive. Amen? And not all of us are British, but those of us who, who, who are British, you know, we can be so reserved sometimes, can't we? It's kind of like in our conservatism, and I don't mean... Politically conservative, again. Don't, don't misunderstand me. No, yeah, but we're just conservative, and well, no, I don't want anyone to look at me. It's just—it's the British way, isn't it? Let's get—let's get beyond that. As Christians, we have to break that. I'm dead I'm serious. I'm not when we deny our Britishness, okay? But we have to break that—that that characteristic, because it cause it will stop us stepping into all that God has for us. Amen. To be passionate about the things of God, responsive and worship, responsive, responsive and giving. Let's stop worrying about what other people think about us. You know, again, that's the British way, isn't it? Well, what's that person next to me going to think? You know, it's the British way, isn't it? It is. Because we, we kind of like, you know, it's why we love queuing, isn't it, in Britain? It is. That's we're, apparently, we're the best queuers in the world. Um, my brother was telling me about when he went to, went to New York, and it just totally blew his mind. Because they had a totally different... It's like they'd never heard of queuing. He's like he was getting onto a coach to go to like a, like a day trip, like further south in the eastern states. And it's like they'd never heard of human. Everyone's just pushing it. And he said, it was just mayhem. It was like, it was just, he just could not get his head, head around it. It's like, like they said, they've never heard of it. So it's Britain, we're very good because we kind of like following rules. I don't know, it's just built into our psyche. I don't know what it is or whether it's because we've had a monarchy for a thousand years. I don't know what the reason is. But it's almost like built into our psyche. Anyway, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, let's, but in terms of Christianity, let's just kind of break that. I'm not talking about breaking God's rules, obviously. But what I'm talking about is just being passionate about the things of God. Don't worry about what the person next to us is thinking about. Let's break, break beyond that. Amen? Let's be passionate for God. So, passion is the first one. Second, let's be obedient. Obedient people. You know, the Bible says to obey is better than the sacrifice. God God loves obedience. Going back to what I was saying earlier about what God promises to bless, it's, it's obedience that God promises to bless. Let's be obedient in every area of our life. Amen? Let's be diligent people, full of diligence. Let's do everything to the best of the ability that God has given us. Let's never be half hearted. Amen? If God's called you to do something, you're involved in a team here, you're involved in a ministry, or whatever, whatever it may be, let's be diligent about it. Let's not have to do things half-hearted. Does God deserve more than half-heartedness? Absolutely. Amen? How, how could we give any less after what he's done for us? Let's be diligent. Let's be people who are active. We don't want to be a people who are just kind of, you know, just sat on chairs, just kind of waiting for heaven or Jesus to return or whichever comes first. Right? Let's be active. God's, 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 if we're still here, if you're here this morning, you're still here, amen, anyone not, anyone not breathing this morning, right, everyone's still breathing, so you're still alive, you still have a purpose and a plan for your life, and I don't know whether Jesus is going to come back first, or whether you're going to kind of come to the end of your, end of your years first, which of those two is going to happen first in your life, but whilst we're here, let's be active for Jesus, amen, let's never be passive, and just kind of just sitting back, you know, so often we can do that, can't we, and just kind of woe is me, and I'm just, I'm just waiting for glory, and, and I, know what pe- I know what people mean by that, and don't get it wrong, glory is going to be incredible, heaven is going to be amazing, okay, belittling, obviously, the reality of that, but let's always be active for God, whilst we're here, we've still got things for us to do, especially people who are faithful, amen, God loves faithfulness, God loves people who, well, God loves everyone, but, you know I mean, but God loves the spirit of faithfulness, when he knows that he can rely on people. Now I've said this from the front before and it could be a bit of a shocking statement but I think, it, I think it's absolutely true. I think scripture would, there isn't a scripture that says this specifically but I think it's, it's absolutely, it's a scriptural principle. Does God love everyone the same? Absolutely. Whether, whether Christians or not Christians or non-Christians, God loves everyone the same? Absolutely. Does God trust everyone the same? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm dead serious. Does God trust, trust everyone the same? Absolutely not. You know, that's why, you know, when it talks, when, in, in one Timothy three, and it rules out, it lays out kind of the the, the principles that, that a, or characteristics that a, that a church leader should have. It says there shouldn't be a new convert. If someone's been a Christian for five minutes, is it a good idea to make them the pastor of a church? For example, well, probably not. It's probably not going to. It's probably not going to go well, is it? Okay, and that's not belittling. And if you've not been long saved, that's not belittling you in any way. It's just a reality. God wants to build a lot of stuff in your life first. So that's that's my point. My my point about that is that God doesn't trust everyone the same. But that doesn't mean to say God can't trust you. But but, but the the key to that is being faithful in what God's called you to do already. And those who are faithful in little will be faithful in much, is what Jesus said in the whole parable of the the talents. Those who are faithful in little will be faithful in much. If you're on the hosting team, great. Be faithful in that. Turn up on time. Be be faithful to your slot when you've been put on every week. Be be faithful to that because then then God can trust you. Amen. And then, do you know what? He will then give you more responsibility. So, well, if I can trust them with that, then I can can trust them with this. But that is the key to it, is being faithful. It can feel like little, but be faithful in little. As you're faithful in little, be faithful in in much. Amen. Praise God. It says to people who are faithful and and full of faith as well. Amen. (laughs) endurance what has been boiling hot for jesus look like in our everyday lives passion obedience diligence activeness faithfulness endurance just just keep on going you know there's so much so much power in that just keeping on going for god too many christians and i'm not judging anyone but too many christians they just give up too many christians who are believing for stuff you know they could be on the verge of their breakthrough but they, but they give up keep on going Keep on being persistent. Keep on enduring. Keep on going for the things, things of God. Even if you're not seeing the fruit that you think maybe you should see, just keep on going. You know, as myself and Ali could tell you, there's too, there's too many pastors. They give up. They do. You know, It could be the weight of the world or just doing too many hours or they just feel overwhelmed by pastoral issues or whatever it may be or difficulties in church and all kinds of things. But they just need to just keep on going. Trust in God, being faithful, just keep on going. Now God's... God's Talk to myself and Wendy over the year, eleven years of being pastors. It was just two main words: was to be con- consistent and persistent, and just to keep focused on those. Keep on being consistent. Don't kind of go go round. You know, every wind of doctrine is, as the Book of James says, stay focused on what I've called you to do and be persistent in it. And I think that's these are a great. That's great wisdom for life. In any whatever you're doing for God, be consistent. Don't be all over the place. Because remember, we're not being led by emotions; we're being led by the Spirit of God. And be persistent. Don't ever, 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 ever give up. Winston Churchill said that, but it's, but it's great. But it's, it's great advice. Just so be people who are passionate, who are obedient, who, who are diligent, who, who are active, who are, who are faithful, full of in, endurance. Amen. Now, just at this stage, we're going to do something slightly, slightly different. Now, I'm not being consistent here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> ironic being ironically consistent anyway and i just wanted just to talk about something this morning elise is going to come up and say some stuff about it in a moment this is all kind of part of the message okay because it's important to talk about so forge is something that is a forge is a ministry school that family church runs and it started this september um it's about 15 students 12 okay 12 disciples, oh, a spiritual number, it's 12, hopefully one isn't a Judas, but there's 12. there's 12 on the course. Anyway, and it's something we started in September, we've got, it's pastors, we've got kind of real big plans, we're believe for, for tons of students um, next year, um, and, it's, and it's a great, it's just a, it's a great thing, and it's a, it's, it's a great way of kind of responding to the call of God in your life, that's what Lisa's going to talk about in a second, who's, who's one of the students, as you know about responding to the call of God in your life. And if this is something that interests you, I'd really encourage you to get involved in this. If you'd like to be a student, it's not just aimed at young people, just to be clear on that. The age range is very, right from Elisa's age at 18, right up to, I don't know who the oldest person is, probably certainly in their 50s. Um, Not the 50s is old, of course. Uh, (laughs) But I'm just saying there's a big age range. (laughs) They're saved. uh, Saved from the digging hole. Anyway, but what I'm saying is it's not just aimed at young people. Okay, just to be really clear on that. And so people who have basically given up their year, some, some have quit their jobs in faith or have been able to take a break from their uh, jobs to give, give God a year or, or from September to July, I think it's so 10 months, 10 months of their life. Um, it's based, based in Portsmouth, but you can do some of it online. And um, runs Monday to Friday, um, 9 to half 12 every day. And it's a great investment. And the church is not getting anything out of this other than building future leaders, which is, which is great in itself. You know, but this is for people. It's not for the benefit of the church in that sense. It's for the benefit of you. Now, The whole purpose of it is, a, is, is to be a forged, fashion people, fashion lives for the purposes of God. It's a great way to be responsive to God. And if it's something that interests you, I'd really encourage you to be thinking about it and, and praying about it. Because it will totally and radically change your life. Basically, it's 10 months of discipleship. It will totally change your life. So I'm going to ask Elisa just to come up now and just talk about some stuff that she's got out of it. And you've got prospectuses on your chair. So please take one of these away with you. Let's give Elisa a big hand.
1: Hi, everyone. So I'm going to be sharing a bit about Forge, what I've got out of it, what I'm enjoying. Um so (laughs) enjoying all of it (laughs) but yeah it has been really brilliant we've been kind of like from September to November we've been really doing about like freedom in Christ and who we are in Christ which has been brilliant because we've talked we've really like delved into topics of like unforgiveness and shame hurt like things that can like stop us doing like the will of God and it's been really good to like deal with those things and get rid of them um so like stuff like just believing what god says about us rather than what the devil says about us or what people say about us like things that people have put on us that will stop us doing the will of god and um i think one thing just like to mention (laughs) is like starting forge i did experience a little bit of spiritual attack but that's like normal so just if anyone wanted to do it just be aware of that but um I know I've got, like, God's protection around me. And actually, it was a bit of a confirmation that I must be doing something right. Because otherwise, why would the devil be attacking me? But, yeah, I'm fine. But, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. When you do God's will, then the devil is going to do whatever he can to stop you doing the will. So, yeah, I really believe that forge is like a seed that I've planted in my life and then like now is the time that I'm watering that seed and then after forge is finished I'm going to see that harvest. Um, I know he's got good plans for my life. I don't know exactly, what well, it is yet, but I know he's got good plans and I'm just going to keep believing and just keep doing his will. And like, when I think about that, I kind of think of like Joseph, like he had the dreams when he was young, he had the dreams that God gave him. And that was like that seed. But then he had to go through that kind of like long time of, you know, he went to, he was sold into slavery and then he was in prison for something he didn't even do. But out of that, he then became this amazing leader. So I really believe that that's kind of the purpose of forge is it's growing you and it's like taking you into becoming a leader or whatever it is that God wants you to do. And, um, yeah, I've just, I've really enjoyed forge. One thing is also like about, we've learned a lot about renewing our minds. Romans 12 verse two and the purpose of God uh, the purpose of forge is aligning my thinking to God's thinking. My will and God's will should be the same also um yeah just like becoming becoming more christ-like becoming more like him and listening to what god says rather than what others say so yeah i've re- I experienced real change and it's just been brilliant because god really blesses you when you just do his will so yes yeah, it's going well but yeah it's about a lot about just submitting to his will you can't You've got to make a choice. When I made a, like, Pastor Randy spoke about this a lot. When you, like, start forge, you've got to be willing for God to change you. Like, you you know, it's, it's up to what you do. You could start forge in September and then finish in July being the exact same person. But actually, that's not what God wants to do. So you've got to be willing to change, like, for him to change you. And if that means that it might be a bit difficult, if that means you've got to deal with some stuff, then so be it because I want what God has for me. Yeah, but, yeah, just, um, just, like, answering this call has just brought, like, amazing joy in my life. And just, like, the fruits of the Spirit, I've really seen, like, me grow in that and the gifts of the Spirit. Just, yeah, I'm just, like, little things, just, like, I'm sleeping better, I worry about less stuff, less anxiety. I don't care what, like, I care a lot less what people think about me. And it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I just, but yeah, it's about what my dad has said about endurance. And I'm just going to keep going and keep turning up. Yeah. I just want to share this uh, scripture, which is Psalm 119, verse 1 to 3. It says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. Yeah, he's just just experienced massive joy just, just following God. He's really, I really feel his presence, and I really feel that he's with me and that this is what, something that I need to do. Yeah, so just to anyone, if you're thinking about Forge, talk to people about it, talk to your pastors, pray about it. And also, in terms of there's a financial aspect to it, in terms of that kind of thing, if it really is God's will, He will provide. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not something that I've actually had to worry about because I've just seen God's provision. So, yeah, it's been amazing. And I'm just looking forward to what God is going to do in, like, in the coming months.
0: that's great thank you that's so good yeah thank you for sharing that lisa so you know i would say this as a proud dad but um but it's reality that myself and wendy we've seen changes in elisa just just over the last three months we've seen what god has already done so if some something that interests you i'd really encourage you to really genuinely think about it and, and pray about it it will change your life we're aiming for Lots of students. I don't know, fifty. I think we're aiming for uh, next next uh, next September. So, yeah, think about it. But it's a great way of responding to God's call and finding what His His purposes and plans are for your for, for your life by setting a whole that setting aside that ten months. As you do, as you sow that ten months, you reap a great harvest um, in your life. I kind of bring me nicely onto my last script as we bring this to a close. Galatians 6, verse 9 to 10. We We're going to have a promo for Forge as well, by the way, that we had a few technical issues, so we'll play it next week. Um, but anyway, Galatians 6, verse 9 to 10 says, Paul wrote this, "'Let us not become weary in doing good, "'for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. "'Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us be good. let us do good to all people, "'especially to those who belong to the family of believers.'" So I just want kind to of just just kind of just bookend all these family church values with the scriptures. Let's not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't become weary in the Christian life. Keeping responsive for God. You know, but the, the thing is with God is He is he, there's lots he called us to do for Him, but He wants us to, to live in rest. Now I know that can sound like an kind of oxymoron as a technical term, isn't it? Where you've got two contradictory terms. Um, it can sound like an oxymoron it's like, how can I be active and live in rest that just doesn't make sense but, you know, but the reality is God doesn't want you to live in rest you know, Jesus said if you're, you're feeling burdened he said all those who are feeling weary and burdened come to me and I, I will give you rest my yoke is easy and my burden is light so God has got lots he wants us to do for him but he wants us to live in rest he just wants us to live in anxiety or, or in stress or to feel exhausted or, or burnt out no that's not God's plan for your life but he doesn't want you to be active and, but you can at, be active living in God's rest and living in his mercy and and living in his peace. That's what's so amazing about, about being a Christian. But at the same time, living in God's rest doesn't mean being lazy. Amen? You know, when you come to a certain age, then people retire from work. and That age keeps going up and up and up, doesn't it? <laughs> Some of you are blessed already to be, be retired. And by the time I get there, who knows what retirement age is. And when Elisa gets there, I don't, I don't know, will people ever retire? People... <laughs> pension age we're about 80 probably by the time elisa gets her because it keeps going up and up and up and i know that's all to do with affordability and lots of other things and people are living longer which isn't a bad thing obviously anyway at some point people get to naturally uh retire retire from work and and you know when you naturally retire from work life does does look a bit different doesn't it you don't have the same same demands um same demands anymore you don't have to get up at a certain certain time of the day anymore and then, then things are different right but in the Christian life, you know, there's no such thing as retirement. When it comes to the things of God, there's no such thing as, as retirement. And however long you've been a Christian, however old you are, there's no such thing as Christian retirement. Amen. God still has plans for you. God still has, has desires for you. God still has things for you to accomplish in the Christian life. Amen. So, and don't become weary. Live in God's rest. But at the proper time, let's be, be persistent, as I mentioned earlier. At the proper time, we'll reap as Elisa said. As she continues to give God her life, she knows she will reap a harvest, and that's a reality. Sowing and reaping is that is that Christian principle that runs throughout the Bible. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that. As, as with everything in the Christian life, it always starts with you. It was always engineered by you. Lord, you, Lord the scripture says, Lord, we, we love because you first loved us. Lord, you, you always make the first move. Lord, and you were the first one who was responsive. Lord, you, you gave your only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him would, would not perish but have eternal life. Lord, you always make the first move. Lord, and you responded to the human race. Lord, and we thank you that you did that. Oh, God so that we could have salvation, so that we could live free, so that we could be holy and righteous, we could be on our way to heaven, Lord, so that we could live with a plan and a purpose for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and Lord but we want to live as responsive people to you. Lord, we know you've made the first move. Lord, and as a, as a recognition of that, an understanding of that, Lord, that we've been bought at a price, we're no longer our own, Lord, we belong to you. Lord, we want to be responsive in every area of our life. Lord, we want to live out the call and purposes and plans, Lord, that you have for us. Lord, I pray there will be people Lord, that will be full of zeal. Lord, will be diligent, Lord. We'll put you first, Lord God, that we will be full of fervor, Lord, that we are boiling over, boiling hot for you, Lord God, that we'll never be lukewarm or, or cold or apathetic or, or passive or, or lazy or just or just sit back. Lord, that we will want to live out your desires and plans for our lives and all that you desire to do in us and through us, Lord God. Lord, help us be people who are passionate, Lord, and obedient, Lord, and diligent and active and faithful, Lord, and who in, who endure, who never give up. Lord, we know, Lord, we will then read a harvest, Lord God. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be persistent. Lord, help us to walk in all that you desire us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, fulfill your will in our lives. Use us for your purposes. Lord, help us to reach those people, Lord, that you want us to reach, Lord God. Those people in our families, our neighbourhoods, Lord, that you want us to reach. Lord, help us to be obedient, Lord, to talk to them about you, Lord, to reach out to you. Lord, to to minister to others, to speak into others' lives. Lord, use us for your plans and desires. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may we always be responsive to you. May we never be laid back. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, may we not worry about what the people next, people, thinking, uh, people sitting next to us think, what, what our spouses think, what our neighbours think. Lord, may we just, just, just live out your desires. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. Praise you, God. Use us for your glory. Lord, we want to be an obedient people to you but for your purposes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.